Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with the Love in Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me this morning. I hope your day is going well. I enjoy hearing back from folks. I know some of you listen as you are on your way to church service, your house of worship, and others as you're leaving and heading home or heading out to lunch or wherever. So I appreciate you tuning in. I just appreciate everybody who tunes in. And may God bless you. My prayer is that God's word will go forth and touch lives, touch hearts. If you're out there and have never given your life to Jesus, I pray you'll hear something today that will just make you stop and think, yes, I do need a Savior. I do need a Messiah, and his name is Jesus. If you are a believer, I just pray this word that you hear today will encourage you and encourage you to live this life for Jesus all out. With all that's within you, serve him and love him and fulfill the great commission in your life. We are continuing our study on the 50 commands of Christ. If you're just joining us for one of these sessions about the 50 commands of Christ, let me just quickly tell you, the 50 commands of Christ is something that we teach at Love in Action as part of our discipleship program. And it's a wonderful study. And it's really great when you can do this in a small group because the discussion is just great. It's wonderful. And the 50 commands of Christ is important for many reasons The main reason why we teach it is because the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, where Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them all that I have commanded you, and I'm with you always to the end of the age. But that part of teach them all that I have commanded you, well, if we don't know what he's commanded us, how are we going to, first of all, live it? And second of all, how are we going to teach it? So that's why we teach the 50 commands of Christ, so we can know them ourselves, so we can live them out, and so we can teach others and teach them how to live them out as well. That's a quick summary on why we teach the 50 commands of Christ. Today we're going to pick up on command 22, but before we do, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Father God, for loving us like you do. Thank you for giving us your word. God, all we have to do is open it up, and you reveal your word to us, Father God. And what an awesome privilege it is to have your word. Father, there's many people around this world who they want a a Bible, but they can't get them because of where they live at. Lord, I pray that you'll put your word in, in people's hands. Lord, just touch hearts to give to those ministries who provide Bibles for people who don't have them, for people who want them but can't get them. Father, I pray for each person listening today that you will just touch each one, minister to each one, every need that each person has. You know what they are, Father, and I lift them up to you, and I pray your blessings upon them. And if anyone's listening who don't know you, Jesus, I pray today is their day that they will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Father, we thank you for this time that we get to open up your word and study. We ask you to bless it. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to teach us, and may we be doers of your word and not hearers only. So, Father, we praise you. We love you, and we thank you. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Teaching the 50 commands of Christ is all part of my desire for all of us, myself and everyone within the sound of my voice, to be Great Commission Christians. And that's believers who are sold out to Jesus, and we are fulfilling his great commission. And it's a lifestyle. It's not an event. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. 
and it's a lifestyle that we live this way so we can tell others about Jesus. We can show others about Jesus, and we can lead them to the one who can save their souls and teach them how to live for Jesus and reach others. If you are aware, you can take notes. I want to encourage you to take notes. We encourage people at Love and Action as we go through the 50 Commands of Christ to use index cards and write out each command and then the key verse with each command. That way you can put it up on your refrigerator or wherever you can post it at to remind yourself throughout the week what we covered the previous week. So if you can do that, do it. If you've missed some of the other commands that I've taught on, you can go back and listen to them on the Love and Action podcast available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, pretty much anywhere you get podcasts, you can probably find the Love in Action podcast there. It's also on our website at loveinactionministries.com. Command number 22, pray for those who spread the word. Let's read Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in his harvest. For whom did Jesus tell his disciples to pray? He said to pray for workers who spread the good news. Let's read Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 36. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. As we read verses 35 and 36, we need to think to ourselves, how would this serve as motivation for Jesus to command his disciples in verses 37 and 39 to pray for laborers to go out into the harvest, to go out into the fields because the harvest is there, but there aren't enough laborers. Well, Jesus looks at the crowd and the crowd of people, they were from towns and villages all over and they were excited. They were seekers, but they were also a long way from being real followers and believers in Christ. And Jesus referred to them as a field ripe for harvest. And he told his disciples to pray for workers to teach his message to those following him. So indeed, the next thing Jesus did in Matthew chapter 10 was to send out his 12 disciples to drive out evil spirits, to heal disease and sickness, and preach the message that the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus said, look, there's a lot of people out there that needs to hear my message, and we need people to take it to them. Well, 2,000 years later, we still haven't understood what Jesus is saying here because there are still way too few laborers who are willing to go out and share the gospel message with people. And I often think, why? Why are there so few people? And we're going to hit on some of those possible reasons. But Jesus is telling us, we need to pray. We need to pray for people to spread the word of God. And there are people that are, and we need prayer. <laughs> we need prayer. But my prayer is also for you to be one of those laborers, to go out into the fields. Because there's so many people out there who need to hear the gospel, even right here in southeast Alabama. We think of this as the Bible Belt. I often call it the buckle of the Bible Belt. But there's still so many people who either have not heard the gospel or they, they've heard it but just pushed it aside. And we need to remind them we all need Jesus. We all need a Savior, a Messiah, and his name is Jesus Christ. People are still walking around lost without Jesus. 
So we need more and more believers to truly follow Jesus by spreading his word. And so he tells us here to spread his word. Pray for those who will spread his word. And I want you to think about for a moment, who are the unbelievers in your life? Do you have family members, friends, co-workers? Pretty much all of us do. We know somebody, some people who are lost and don't have Jesus in their lives. And then think about what can we do to help them see the need for Jesus, the need for a Messiah. Now, we know there's barriers standing in the way, right? So think about what barriers stand in the way of people you know listening to the gospel. Some people are of different religions. Some people have been hurt at church. Some people just don't care. And others, while they were raised going to church, learning about Jesus, the trials and just life in general has just kind of pushed them aside and they've forgotten about Jesus. So there, there's many different barriers out there, but think about them and think about those who you know that need Jesus. And while we live in a country that well, at least used to proclaim to be a Christian nation, people in other countries, when they think about the U.S., they often think everybody over here is Christian. <laughs> That's not the case at all. We know that oh, that would be true. It would be awesome. But we know that's not the case. And now I, I like to keep up with, with statistics. And 70% of Americans still claim to be Christian. 70% claim to be Christian. But then we look at how many read their Bible daily. About 16% reads their Bible daily. So if 70% proclaim to be Christian, only 16% read their Bibles. And then only about 10, less than 10% actually share their faith with others. It makes me wonder what's going on with these 70% of Americans. And why is our country in such a mess if we had that many believers in this country? So a lot of people will proclaim to be believers, be followers of Christ, but they're really not. You know, Maybe their mother, their father, their grandparents were believers, so they just say, well, okay, well, I'm a Christian too. But it's so much more than that. We can't ride into heaven on our grandmother's coattails. It's a decision we have to make ourselves. It's about a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that what appears to be missing so much is that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And God gives us his word. We need his word. And I encourage people all the time, and I encourage you today, pick up his word. Almost every household, well, maybe not every household, but many households have multiple Bibles in them. And those Bibles collect dust. Well, they don't do any good collecting dust. Pick them up. Read them. Even on your phone, you can get Bible apps and read the Bible. And I encourage you to, to read some of God's Word each and every day. My time is in the morning before I get up and get going. I do some Bible reading. Now, there's a difference between reading and studying. And so we really need to make time for both. But if you can just start reading His Word, getting some of His Word in your heart, you'll see how your life changes. It will be life-changing. I promise you that. While we know there are many barriers to people hearing the gospel, receiving the gospel, just think about what would make a typical person who's got that I don't care attitude sit up and notice the need for a Messiah, the need for a Savior. And think about why is it that so many people just can't be bothered with Jesus or with religion in general. Some people just say, look, I don't have time. People are chasing that American dream. People are being just swamped with so many 
pressures in, in life and bills are due and kids are sick and so forth. And, and of course, through this pandemic, so much has been going on. But think about people who just have that attitude. They just don't really care. What would make them sit up and take notice? Well, one way I think they would sit up and take notice is if we continually live out this life as a Christian, as a believer, as a true believer of Jesus Christ, with the love and compassion and the humility that he he tells us, he commands us to. People see that in our lives, and they say, you're different. I like that. What's going on in your life? So the way we live our lives, I think, would make some people sit up and take notice. I've, I've seen that happen in my life before, and I've seen it in other people's lives where I'm like, wow, what's going on with you? Because I see so much joy in your life, and there's so much chaos going on around you, and they tell me it's Jesus. And so that's one way people can sit up and notice. And we just need to share our testimony. The Word of God says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We have testimonies. We have a testimony of when we first came to Christ, and then many other testimonies about what He has done in our lives. And I love sharing those different testimonies with people because they may not understand the Bible. They may not understand the people in the Bible right now, but they understand you. They understand me. They know us. They see us. They hear us. (laughs) And when we share what Jesus has done in their lives, it's reality to them. Now, the Bible's reality, but they just hadn't made it there yet. But when we share our testimony and they see that things have happened in our lives that doesn't make sense in in the worldly mind, but only a God could do this, and we can share that God with them. We can share about his son, Jesus Christ, with them and everything he's been doing and has done in, his, in our lives and what our future holds, and the Bible tells us that, and that's how we can introduce them to the Bible as well. So there's different ways to reach people, even those who just have that I-don't-care attitude. We can still reach them, and we must. So pray for those who spread the word and also be one of those who spread the word. Number 23, be as shrewd as serpents and as harmless as doves. Let's read Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Jesus said his disciples should be like two very different animals, serpents and doves. So let's see what the Bible says about the different characteristics of these animals. I will say where he talks about he's sending us out like sheep among wolves. Those wolves are false prophets, like the Pharisees as well. They were like wolves, and Jesus' followers were like sheep. And those Pharisees were constantly coming after the people who followed Jesus, and obviously coming after Jesus so much that they killed him. But Jesus came back to life, rose again on the third day, and as he promises, all who believe shall not perish but have eternal life. So the enemy cannot stop God, cannot stop what God wants to do. Well, let's read about these two different types of animals, serpents and doves. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 23. Their wine is the poison of serpents and the cruel venom of asps. Asps is like a hooded snake, like a cobra what the word's talking about there. Matthew chapter 23, verse 33. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? And that's Jesus talking to the Pharisees. 
2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from the sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So we see about serpents, there's a lot of venom there, right? Now, Jesus isn't telling us to be poison to others, but what he's telling us is serpents are clever creatures, right? So we need to avoid being tricked and to get into compromising situations. We need to avoid from being tricked to people who would try to lure us out of our faith. And that's just the enemy working, trying to bring us down, trying to distract us and cause confusion that would make us start questioning our faith even. So Jesus tells us we need to be clever. We need to be shrewd. Think about why would Jesus give us this command? And if he was walking on the earth today, do you think he would emphasize this command or maybe downplay it? I definitely think he would emphasize it. The opposition of the Pharisees to Jesus, to his good news, would be like ravaging wolves. And that's again, that's the Pharisees being those ravaging wolves to the good news of Jesus Christ. So the disciples of Jesus, their only hope and our only hope is to look to our shepherd, Jesus, for protection. And we need the protection of our great shepherd, Jesus Christ. Sheep represent purity and innocence. And that's what Jesus, I believe that's what he sees when he mentions in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And again, Jesus is the great shepherd. He mentions to be harmless as doves. He commands us to be harmless as doves. He's saying to be protected by a righteous character and genuine faith. He wants us to be on guard against those false prophets. So he says, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We know Jesus and his disciples faced many hostilities. Today, believers face many hostilities, especially those who live in Muslim countries or countries that do not know about Christianity or who actually outlaws people from being Christians. Those people face extreme hostilities, persecution, even death. And let's bring it home. Do we face persecution in America or can we face persecution in America? Well, yes, we can. More and more Christianity is being hit on, being railed against in America. We know that Bibles aren't allowed in school and haven't been for many years. And it's kind of ironic when you think about it, though, that in prisons, people can have Bibles and they're actually encouraged to have Bibles in prison. What if we had Bibles in school, maybe we wouldn't have the need for so many prisons, right? <laughs> we have so many politically correct mindsets or attitudes that people have nowadays, so I know that would not be politically correct, would it? Or even prayer in school, that would not be politically correct. You know, politically correctness is one of the downfalls of America, in my humble opinion. But when we think about persecution, we can talk about Bibles not being allowed in school, prayer not being allowed in school. Many uh, cities do not open their meetings with prayer anymore. They're not seeking God anymore for how they lead local governments or even federal governments, state governments. Uh, many different states operate different, of course, and we are fortunate to live in Alabama 
where there's a more openness to Christianity. But there are threats that people can receive from family, from friends when they become believers in Christ. There's rejection, there's public ridicule, and possible harm. We remember the shootings in Columbine, and there's been other instances as well where people have come into churches and shot and killed people. And that's happened right here in America. So, yes, persecution can and does happen in America. And especially in other countries, we see the extreme forms of persecution. And, of course, many are focusing on Afghanistan right now as the Taliban is back in charge. And they're hanging people again. And Christians there are very afraid that they're going to be targeted soon if they haven't been already. And we just don't know about it. So we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world for their faith to keep growing stronger and stronger, at the same time praying that our faith grows stronger and stronger as well. We also need to pray for those who are persecuting Christians. We need to pray for them, pray that they will come to Jesus. We need to pray for the Taliban. We need to pray for ISIS. We need to pray for communist government leaders. And you may be saying, Ken, why do we want to do that for? Well, because Jesus tells us, he commands us to pray for our enemies. And remember Saul, who persecuted the church, to the point of people dying, and he's approving of them being killed for their faith in Jesus. And then Saul met Jesus, and he became Paul, and wrote three-quarters of the New Testament, and was the great apostle Paul. So we need to pray for those who are persecuting the church, and pray for their souls to be saved as well. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, is the reason why I pray for those who are under persecution for their faith to grow and become stronger. Let's see what Jesus says here. He says, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, he immediately falls away. See, we need to pray that the seed of the gospel that's been planted in people's hearts, that when persecution comes, they will not deny that faith, but they will stand strong in their faith in Jesus Christ and not waver. Some translations use the word shrewd as snakes instead of wise. Now, in biblical times, the word shrewd had a better connotation than what it seems to have these days. In biblical times, it was more positive, meaning cautious, wise, and prudent. Also, a serpent tends to adapt to its surroundings, taking on the temperature of the surface it's lying on and sniffing the air with its tongue. Think of what this means in interacting with people you don't know and who are negative to the Word of God. Jesus tells us to be humble as we serve Him and be humble as we share His gospel with others. So we need to Take that humble attitude, and as we come across people who are indifferent to the Word of God, who are violent against the Word of God, or just doesn't want anything to do with the Word of God, we still need to figure out ways that we can still reach them, still give them an opportunity to accept Christ. That's not easy, I understand, but there are ways we can do that. And again, it goes back to, as I mentioned earlier, about how we live our lives, how we live for Jesus. When people see consistency of Jesus in our lives, then they're going to be more apt to believe that Jesus really is alive. Jesus is real. (laughs) There is a God who loves us and who sent his son to die for us and to rise again on the third day and that 
we need him in our lives. So while it's not easy, there are ways to reach people, and we just need to do that and pray to God. Ask God to help us to find ways to reach people. Now, we can't save them. We can't force anybody to be saved. God doesn't force us to be saved. It's a decision we all have to make, but we can plant that seed, water those seeds of the gospel that's been planted in people's hearts, and just pray that the Holy Spirit will convict them, that God will just continue to draw them in, and that they will respond by making that decision to give their lives to Jesus Christ. We don't have time to get into command number 24, so we're going to stop right there, but we will pick up there next week. Again, if you've missed any of the teachings on the 50 Commands of Christ, you can check out our Love in Action podcast available on our website at loveinactionministries.com, or you can subscribe, find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you get podcasts out there. There's so many choices out there nowadays, isn't there? But I want to encourage you to study these commands. Be in the Word of God. You you may be asking, what should I study? Well, study these commands. It's a great place to be, seeing what Jesus is telling us so we can live them out and we can teach them to others as he commands us to do in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And I also want to encourage you who don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. He loves you. He loves you so much. It's hard to explain how awesome his love is, but the best way I know to tell you is he died for you, and God raised him back to life because God wants you. He wants me in heaven with him. And so Jesus died for us. He died for our sins, for our disobedience to God, and he paid the price that you and I deserve to pay, but he loves us so much. He paid it for us. He saved us from the wrath of God, and as we put our trust in Jesus, he forgives us, he saves us. The Word of God even says he writes our name in the Lamb's book of life, and on Judgment Day, that book's going to be open, and if our names are in that book, then we're going to be with him forever. But if we don't give our lives to Jesus, I want you to understand there is a real place called hell, and it is eternal punishment forever and ever And people in hell know they're there. It's not like a state of unconsciousness. People know they're there. They know they're separated from God. And they will never have a chance to come back to God again. Eternal punishment and eternity lasts forever and ever and ever. See, Jesus came to save us from that. And he wants us to be with him forever and ever. And I want you to be with Jesus forever as well. That's why I'm here on the radio each and every week sharing the Word of God because my prayer is that somebody will call out to Jesus each and every Sunday between 1030 and 11 as the Holy Spirit ministers through His Word. So if you haven't given your life to Jesus, I just want to encourage you to do so. Just talk to God. Say something like this. The best way you know how to put it, He'll meet you right where you're at. Say, God, I need you. I need you, Jesus, in my life. I understand that you died for me. I heard Ken talking about how you rose from the grave on the third day, and you want to offer forgiveness and eternal life to me, and I want that. I receive that right now. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, all my sins. I repent of all my sins. I I turn from my ways. I turn to you. 
and I give you my life. And just help me each and every day to live for you. Help me to understand what your word says. Help me to live for you. I don't know a lot right now, Lord, but I know you love me, and that's my starting point. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you prayed this morning to give your life to Jesus, please contact me. Our phone number at Love and Action is 334-494-4995. 334-494-4995. Or you can email me at ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. Ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. I'd love to send you some more material, some next steps to help you with your walk with Christ. He loves you. He loves you. Well, I hope everybody has a great rest of the day, a great week coming up, and whatever comes up this week, just remember, Jesus loves you. He's with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And he is for us, so who can be against us? Nobody. Jesus is with us. He loves us. Let's live for him, let's obey him, and let's be Great Commission Christians. May God bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.